<laughs> Speaking of hurting cats. We're <laughs> <laughs> mm. a well-oiled machine. Dude, like if this? you could go like this with the headphones the entire time. Right. Just, just lean in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what we're looking for. Can you that's scratch the kind of... a little? There we go. Okay, there we go. There there that's how we get ratings there. <laughs> Here we are at episode 38 of the Construction Dorkcast, Sparkies Unite. In this episode, we bring in two friends we've gotten to know in the electrical world, Sean Lazarian and Jared Chrisman. We talk about the journeys that the respective companies have been on as the electrical trade finds its way through the tech revolution. We talk about the benefits of openly sharing lessons learned, and they give us the inside scoop on something they're planning along those lines coming soon. As always, thanks for listening, and we hope you all have a great holiday season. We look forward to the new year and new episodes. And we're live. Thanks, Travis. It's episode 38, Sparkies Unite, with guests Sean Lazarian and Jared Christman. Thanks, guys, for joining us. It's going to be a great night. Uh, I've been off the show for one show, so it feels like it's been forever. Uh, maybe it has. Uh, so I'm going to start with introducing a little sad, but also good news. I guess it's good if you were the starter of it, but I'm drinking a little High West Rendezvous Rye. And uh, they were acquired recently by Constellation Brands for $160 million. So I guess somebody's happy about somebody's all this. Happy, yeah. it's, uh, it, it was born and bred in Park City, Utah. Um, it was one of my first introductions to whiskey and rye in general. So I'm excited. Travis, thanks for putting the background up and making my life a lot easier. Why I don't try. you take it from me? Yeah, uh, I am drinking an old-fashioned tonight made with Sagamore Spirit, which is also a rye oh, uh, from, from, I believe, from Kentucky. Yeah. And uh, this is brought to you by your good folks of So, it's, uh, you know, I, this is one of the, I, I, I'm not like you, Jeff. I, I don't drink a lot of rye just straight. Um, I prefer my corn whiskey or whatever straight, but uh, this rye I can drink, drink, drink. Straight up. So, but tonight's an old fashioned. So, cheers. What about you, Jonathan? Um, I'm gonna watch uh, Christmas Vacation tomorrow with the family. So I got, and I thought it, I thought everybody made it, but apparently they don't. Um, Pennsylvania Dutch Company or uh, Dutch Country does an eggnog that's got brandy and uh, let me see, it's it's rum brandy and whiskey blend, and it's already ready for you, which is awesome. Um, and it's, you definitely shouldn't drink a lot of it, but man, it's, it's nice. So I'm, I'm going to do the Chevy chase thing and just go with eggnog for the evening. The, to answer your question, DJ, before everything gets started. Yes. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Absolutely. What do you think? Sean? Yes, absolutely. I vote. Yes. I'm, I'm voting all the way around. <laughs> yes. Do we have a, we, have, we already watched it for Christmas. That's an early Christmas movie. So I've got a Christmas party coming up. Uh, this weekend, and you're the the theme is dressed like your favorite uh, Christmas character, and I'm going as John McClane. Nice, because it's absolutely a Christmas movie. So I bought one of those, um, you know, those bare chest six pack shirts. <laughs> so I'll wear that. Then I'm going to wear my my uh, wife beater over it, and then I got socks that have they're called gnarly feet on the top of them. So you got like these broken hairy toes that <laughs> are on the Perfect. top of your sock. 
So I've got a gun. I'm taping to the back. I'm doing the whole shebang. Wow. But there's You're two people, there's two types of people, right? Those that think that Die Hard is a Christmas movie and then communists. So this <laughs> <laughs> sums it up. True. Dude, it, I, I was, I'm surprised you don't bring like a little piece of duct work with you so you can drop the little piece of duct work and just be up in there for the, for the, <laughs> that's a great idea. Take a piece of, get a box and wrap it with tinfoil. Yeah, dude, absolutely. Have you guys seen the Christmas ornament? That's that. Oh, we have one yeah. of those. Everybody's got to have one of those, man. Those are awesome. Oh, oh my God. You guys are way off the rails. Way yeah, off the rails. Bring, off bring it life. back. Bring it back. Sean, you got to introduce what you're drinking. Tell everybody who you are as well, because, well, the rest yeah. of us just consider consider that nobody wants to know who we are anymore. <laughs> uh, so my name is Sean Lazarian. Uh, I have a small, small to medium-sized family business in Los Angeles. Uh, I'm the third-generation owner. My grandpa started the company 60 years ago, old enough that this background was actually, I don't know which one, which decade it was, but I found it in the archives. There's a lot of old cool. things when you've been pretty much in the same building for 60 years, you go dig and you can find some, some interesting stuff. Um, so yeah, I do, I'm the CFO, but it's a family run business. So I've done just about everything at one point. I'm the unofficial computer guy. Cause I was the computer nerd in the family. Uh, it's, pretty much how it goes. Um, I am drinking just a simple Jack and Coke mainly because I had family over this weekend and they drank everything else. So that's, that's all I had left. What's family good for? That's what they're good for. <laughs> Jared, what about you? Introduce yourself to everybody. Although you've been on before. Uh, so Jared Christman, uh, VDC manager, uh, with big state, uh, in San Antonio. Um, you know, we've been, kind of transferring over into the Revit world for getting out of AutoCAD and into the Revit world for about four years. And we've just, uh, you know, really taken to that, like, like a fish to water, you know, um, excited to be a part of it. You know, we are huge on, uh, if it's going to be in the model, then it's going to be in the field. There is no, you know, BIM for space or, you know, contractual BIM. If we're putting it in the model or if it's getting installed in the field, it's going to be in the model. So mm -hmm. it's, a uh, it's been a, a, you know, a challenge, there, you know, lots of hurdles, lots of, uh, um, lots of failures, lots of successes, lots of getting a, some of the more experienced, we'll call them electricians over to the dark side of the digital world, but we're making progress. That's awesome. And I know you got a drink there. You went off to, to make that. So what are you drinking? I did. Um, uh, Rebecca Creek. Uh, it's a local distillery here. Um, it's actually one of the ones that we have given off in our group. Um, that was one of the, the sample bottles that, you know, it's a, a really good uh, bourbon. And, you know, I'm not going to be drinking a lot of it because I'm going to be leaving here and go visit the grandbabies. But you got to partake. <laughs> yeah. Well, we appreciate you taking a moment to have a little sip with us to get loosened up because we're going to have a lot of fun with this episode because, you know, when we when we started talking about it and the idea came up, you guys are, are you know, I think we all got a chance to work together or meet together at the recent Nika event. Uh, at least I did with you, Sean and Jared um, at different times. And it was really awesome to see the transformation that's going on for Sparky's right now, you know, in the electrical world. Um and that you guys are kind of taking your seat at the table and, and, and tell us a little bit about, I think you guys have some things in store. So why don't we kind of just start there with what you might have in store? What, what might be coming up soon here? Um, well, let's start off Sean and I, so, uh, you know, I've met Sean through our NECA innovation, uh, task force. 
Um, and, you know, we've been to a couple of, of different uh, committee meetings. Uh, we had Tampa Bay. Then we had uh, Nika in Nashville where we all met up. And, um, you know, I'll tell you what, Sean, he doesn't, be- he doesn't belong in LA. He- he's like born and bred Texas. He just doesn't know it. Right. So we sat there and him and I got to having some conversations and talking and, you know, along with the wife, and we just realized there's a gaping hole in the electrical VDC world. And, you know, there's a ton of questions that people want to know and there's nowhere really to get this information. So we thought it would be a great idea for the two of us to get together and try to start some kind of a dialogue and getting information out there and kind of see where it goes. But, you know, it's great with Sean coming from a, a, a small family owned um, electrical company, which I think is, is awesome the way he talks about them. I mean, he's got to tell you some stories about how the, you had to approve it by the VP and dad said, okay, you know, <laughs> by, the, by the president and dad said, okay, you know, it's just, I love it. But, um, you know, you get kind of two aspects. You get a, a small electrical company, you get a big electrical company, electrical contractor, and you realize we've got almost the exact same problems. You know, it doesn't matter scale, it's per trade, you know, and, and how do we handle that? So. Yeah. And from my, like, from my point of view, Jared's doing stuff I would, I want to do. And it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much just trying to mooch off him. That's really my main, my main goal here. No, it, but it's like, I'm curious to know. And I think this was in talking with Jared, he's interested in sharing this, how they got to where they are. Um, and there's, there's this kind of giant hurdle of, I'm not doing anything. I, maybe I did some like coordination modeling or clashing just for that, but how do you get to almost no BIM to your prefab and you're sending it all out, you know, all the, everything in the model goes in the field. There's a surprisingly lack of information on how to get there. And it seems, you know, it's kind of the wild west theme It's everyone's kind of making their own way. And, uh, Jonathan, I think you said once that, you know, we're all building bridges to nowhere or uh, roads to nowhere. We all have the same road to the same nowhere. And if you could just share a little bit of that, maybe we wouldn't waste our time building roads and bridges to nowhere. Um, and a lot of it's kind of, I mean, it's, there's a fun part about it because you can kind of get creative. You're, you're trying to, uh, you know, problem solve and come up with solutions that no one's thought of. It's not so set in stone that it's just, it's easy, but, um, but it's, it's a challenge. And I know I've found that the, the software that's there, I mean, just using Revit, the base Revit you get, you gotta, there's all this stuff you gotta add to it, either other software or customizing yeah. it. And, most people just, they get Revit. Like that's what happened when we got it. Well, when you get Revit and you open it up and you think, uh, uh, what do I do? And halfway through, you realize you should have done a template and now you're into the model a bit and, and none of your elbows are working out. And so there's just a whole bunch of stuff that just seems like, uh, it'd be great if we could just, you know, share some of this knowledge and, and talk, you know, talk with some other people, uh, and see where everyone else is at. Jared, when you introduce yourself, um, instantly DJ jumped on after you said, yeah, we BIM what we build. You know, we, we, when we make a model, we make it to actually build. And he's like, what a novel concept. Because I mean, like the fact that you had to have like a, a warning, hey, we're not the people that just build a model for nothing or build a model because it's in the contract. I, I think that really speaks to the problem itself, you know, of, of this difference between 
sort of this requirement that we see and then people that are taking it seriously and saying, wait, 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 there's a reason that they started to require all this. So I have a question and it kind of works off of what Sean just said. What was when you guys first made that decision to say, OK, we're, we're going to do this. What were some of the, the, the hints you can give other people about making it um, real for them? Because I've also been in the seat of, of a VDC person and talking to an owner and the owner's like, just get it done fast. We're not going to use it anyways. You know, so so what, what are some of the what are some of the, the, the things you can tell us about changing that owner's um, attitude about what BIM should be in the company? So, you know, for us, um, one of the key things, right, is put a little sign outside your office that says no sharp objects. So that way, when the electricians come to talk to you, there's no threatening, you know, <laughs> no, it's a, you know, we, that was a big hurdle is getting the electricians on board. And we tried at first just, you know, giving them layout, right? This, we have electricians, 30, you know, 35 year electricians in our office that we have trained with Revit. You know, um, and these are guys that are electricians, you know, they spent their their years uh, out in the field and now they're spending their golden years into the office, you know. So, um, you know, they got the knowledge, but you still got to get the, the participation and the buy off from the guys in the field. Right. You, you you need to get that unity, that team thought process. Um, and for us, that was the big part. Hey, guys, come on into the office. Let's spend three days. Let's look, lay out, you know, our hard copies. You show us your route. You give us what you want to install, and we will put that into the model to the best of our ability. And once they got the participation and the buy-in, now we're not, it's, it's not our model or it's not their installation. It's ours, right? It's our model. It's our project. It's our installation. So that was a big winning point for us. Get them on board. Let's start talking. Let's work together. You know, and and you it, it was amazing because you really you don't realize it till you're not using it all the time. The I or the they or them, you know, and everyone, the field guys start giving us a call and say, hey, man, we need to take a look at this or, hey, you know, we made a mistake as opposed to Danny VDC guys. Y'all screwed this up, you know, and that was a big that was probably the biggest part. Get the field guys involved, participate together, open line of communication and, you know, we all got the same, you know, we all got the same goal. They build it in the field. We build it digitally. Yeah, I know from, from the owner's like point of view or the, maybe the management, you could say one of the things that was probably the most convincing for my dad, my, my boss and the other, but the VP, but the fact that we could get in early because usually electrical is at the end where the little conduits, we can bend it around. There's no flow. Oh, we're not this giant duct. So we get just destroyed on labor be, if being at the end. So the fact that we could figure out where we're going to be and get there before anyone else gets there. And if they're in their way, uh, we can tell them to move. Like if we had a point, uh, we did the BIM and uh, I forget who it was. Someone was off by four inches, which was right where our feeder was supposed to go. And for the first time in the company's history, we were told the guy, go move it. You're in the wrong spot. And he had to. I mean, mm -hmm. that stuff doesn't happen if you don't have a have a model because they just say, screw you, go move it. Right. You know, you're, you're easy. The other thing I found was uh, when you do a bunch of duck banks, it looks massive. It looks big. Like I did, one of the first VDC jobs I did was uh, I just used giant squares for all the conduits because I, I didn't want to, it was like 2008. I wasn't going to try and do a bunch of conduit, a bunch of three quarter inch conduits. So what ended up happening is this giant, 
massive square just going straight down the hallway was there. And so everyone else moved around me because it looks like I got this giant thing. Even though it's a bunch of three-quarter inch conduits, they moved because it gives you that visual of it. Now, in reality, a bunch of three-quarter inch conduits is more of a pain to move because that's like 10, 12 different independent you know, elbows. That can be a pain. So it, it, it kind of works as a bunch of little conduits too. But people have this mindset of, ah, oh, electrical is easy to move around. And that's not always true. If you get a big duck bank, it's a pain. But without the model, there's just no way to convince people of that beforehand. It, it's By the time you're there, it's too late. So that was a big thing, I think, for at least my dad, of, of this This can help us lower our labor costs by getting in early. That's a quick and easy one that most guys will understand. Uh, the we'll prefab it all and get it out to the shop is is can be a little bit more difficult to prove out. For us, it's more because we don't use MC cable. We're all like public works that's hard pipe, and that just gets harder to, to prefab out whole assemblies. You guys, have, if you guys know anyone who's doing that, I'd, I'd love to know it because I'm trying to figure out how to like collapse down, you know, 60 feet of three-quarter inch pipe with wire in it and not not nick the wire. Um, I haven't seen it yet. Hey Sean, oh, you is... know that the reason they moved around you, it's not because it it was because it was duct. People see duct and they just automatically think, oh, that's not electrical, it's duct <laughs> yep. work. Yep. You know, don't true. tell anybody. Keep that a secret. You know, you, you draw duct work in there, people will still coordinate around you. We used to have that problem too, man. And and like we'd have a rack with like 12 pipes on it. And if it, you have a rack with 12 pipes on it, you know, that's a lot of 90s. That's a lot of fittings. I, I think where we won is we if you use the old version of fabrication, you could turn on the pricing so that when you when you connected the pipe, the people would see how expensive it was to move. And and that usually shocked the room. Like what like if you did a little offset and then you showed the cost of the offset, that was a a pretty good way to get them to go, oh, well, maybe I'll just, you know, do one specialty piece of ductwork rather than have you move 15 lines. I, I've been working with the with with that innovation group with Nika, and, and I don't want to say this in, in a critical way, but it does seem like electrical is behind mechanical and ductwork and sprinkler in terms of prefabrication. Um, but in working with you, Jared, um, when we made it when you were making a rack for for the show it seemed like there was a lot of benefits that we don't have. You didn't have to be airtight. You, you know, you could use really easy slip couplings. What, what do you think the, the, the sort of the, the holdbacks been on the electrical side um, that's allowed some of the mechanicals to get ahead? Or do you, do you have an idea? Um, I think a lot of it was fear. Right. And then the, the, you know, being afraid, because I can't tell when we first started this process, and we started saying, you know what? We're going to start prefabbing electrical. We heard all the time, you can't. You can't prefab electrical. There's too many variables, you know. Uh, and, you know, it's just, it was, we heard it all the time. And once we realized that, you know, you take your model that is a contractual only model and you put in another probably 20, 25%, now you've got something that's actually buildable, prefabable. And that was what, you know, did it for us. We just, you know, once we had it in the model, it was easy. You know, now, you know, to, to prefab it, you know, um, the, we had our challenges, you know, the slip couplings you mentioned, that's not what we use at first, but we realized that we had absolute zero fudge factor without them. That, that slip coupling gives us just a hair to be able to trimble our racks and then still be able to fit them together. So that was an evolution. Um, you know, it, it, 
it's it was just one of those things that people said forever you can't do it and then once everyone started kind of messing with it they realized you know what we can and you know the and one of the things too is the amount is the fact that um when you look at a design model the the amount of ductwork that's already there in the design model you know it kind of gives you a head start in your layout for the construction right it may not get you all the way but it gets you some well that's kind of the hard part with the electrical is we get an electrical design model and we'll get panels and lights and that's about it you know everything else is up in the air so there's a lot more time and effort that goes into having to build that full-blown system so you know it's just a lot of, of things little, little hurdles but once we started messing around and kind of you know messing with the prefab we realized you know it's not that far off and and now we're trying to find more ways to prefab what else can we prefab you know we're I would say, well, one of the jobs we just did, we did over a thousand prefabbed assemblies, you know, that were built in the shop and took out to the field. And, you know, you figure each one of those is, is a considerable percentage of labor hours that was saved. Definitely. So how are you, Sean, kind of like gleaning from that and figuring out how to use that? Because it's, it's two different scales that you're dealing right. with. So how are you gleaning that? Um, I'm, I'm still trying to, uh, a large part of it for me is just trying to figure out how, how to really get started on it. Even, um, I mean, we've, when we've done prefab, it, it's like doing classrooms, things that are extremely repetitive. Um, the problem we have is that to have prefab like full time in your shop, you need a certain amount of volume to keep those guys busy. And if we have a big job, there'll be a, a short time we do that. Uh, and in Los Angeles, we have what's called the CW program. It's a construction construction worker, I think it's the CW is for. Um, it's kind of a low cost. It's not even an apprentice. Um, it's kind of used to be called the summer helper program. So people use that, uh, things like that, um, for their prefab shop because you, you put them in, you train them briefly on something simple, and you send them back. Um, that's been probably one of the biggest hurdles long term is how do I get enough going where you could have an actual like a full-time shop like we've got a space where we'll do some prefab um, I'm in the back of my mind is really that that's a place where the, the distributors could really start helping out if there's some sort of like I can order assemblies from a distributor and maybe it's not as cost effective if, as if I did it myself but I'm not staffing all that um, there's a whole host of things to get that done but that would be without that it's, it's a hard sell to get the smaller guys into the the full prefabbing and bimming um just because it's of that that staffing issue and you know sean um we we use that same program we have that the cw also and you right. know we've and we have the same problem with with um you know the amount of people in that prefab shop and keeping them staffed up and what we have done is we've got two foremen that we keep in there that will, you know, that is our only permanent, um, you know, labor force in the shop. The, the CWs come in, we train them, they, we get past the, that project and then they go back. But our two guys are always there finding some way um, to, to keep that prefab going. But we do have to staff up and down. It's absolutely yeah. fluid, you know. Even the mechanicals have to do that. I mean, it's not, it's not limited to anybody else. We, we, we talk about it all the time in, in our geographic area. We have, you know, we essentially have three pipe shops 
So, you know, sometimes you end up stealing productivity from one to, to feed the other. So that's, um, that, that's an ongoing problem until, until construction itself becomes more of a, you know, a, a straight line versus the, the, the wave. Unfortunately, that's a problem. But one of the things that, that I've been thinking about while listening to the conversation is, is, and I don't, I, I, I don't know if we met in Tampa, Sean, but I don't have a great yeah. feel for for the the scale difference. But you you've done a great job of learning from Jared and from from Nika, and hopefully we'll we'll all learn a lot more from each other at the MEP Innovation Conference. But one of the things I'd like to learn from you is, as that small to medium sized um, player, like I, I have to commend you one for being in on BIM so early. I don't think I know many small contractors that that have done that. But the other thing is, you probably have implemented fast on a faster scale than any of us um what, what's that journey been like because you know you don't have you don't have 700 employees that you have to convince to do something can, mm-hmm. can you elaborate on some of that yeah so well i'll tell you that the journey the, the journey the start of the journey is kind of a funny story i, I think it was about 2009 or 10 we got our first job but it was going to be a bim job and it was just a coordination clash uh and at the time my the boss my dad just thought uh I don't know what I'm going to do with this. Who am I going to find to do this? And the VP was actually a, a family friend, and he I'd grown up with him. Uh, actually, his nephew was my best friend, and he kind of looked over at me with this thought of like, "Well, the the computer nerd over there has done all the done all the other computer stuff we've asked him, so can he do it?" I mean, he didn't really understand exactly what it was. And at the time, I had done so. This is what 2010. When I was like in high school, I did video game level design for like. Duke Nukem, I mean, like early 3D games, and funny enough, with the VP's uh, nephew, and I was like, I, I think I can, because I remember pretty much doing this. It's not that dissimilar. Um, Duke so, Nukem, come on, Duke that's Nukem. a heck of a drop right there. You should yeah. pause. There you go, <laughs> the build editor. You go OG, yeah. you go OG dork right there. Yep, yep. And I, I don't remember the. I mean, and Quake was the other one. Quake was an actual 3D, like full 3D yeah. thing, yeah. which I remember being just totally lost at in high school because they just, I mean, especially on like, what, a Pentium 1, maybe? Like that's, <laughs> uh, it didn't work out so well. I was an Unreal Tournament guy, man. That was a, that was ours, man. We played yeah. Unreal, dude. Yeah. Capture the Flag and Unreal Online was my first game ever. Yeah. And <laughs> the back of my mind is still like, high school kids who do this stuff are probably, you know, I mean, they've got all the BIM skills already. So, you know, you just have to train them in, with construction. Just have them, you know, work work construction a couple summers to get an idea of what you do. So anyway, so that was kind of the beginning of that. And it, you know, it was easy for me to do. The hard part for me was because I was never actually a field guy, was trying to get some of the field guys to be like, you know, where, how, where would this actually go? It's mainly right. pipe is the hard part. Um, but at the time we weren't, I think we we're only doing two inch and over uh, mm-hmm. conduit. That's still mostly what I see in electrical when you do coordination models. So um, that part is easier. The I mean, I basically have two or three people I need to convince to do BIM. Uh, and and we've always been a little more tech-focused uh, and engineering kind of focused, mostly because we get, we get bored. Uh, me and my brother get bored really easy, so we need to do something to, to keep us busy. So... I've no, I mean, I have no concept what it's like to have to convince like layers of management. Um, but the the thing that you run into when it's like a family business, 
if I, I had to convince my dad that the laptop I wanted to get that could do like Revit, I didn't want to get it to play video games on because he still has <laughs> like the memory of me as a 16 year old kid playing video games. I'm like, no, you, you need a good graphics card to do 3d modeling. Like it's, it's not, and a, then I can modeling. play video. Games. And then, <laughs> yeah, so, man, of course I still did. I mean, you know, not primarily. So, um, so yeah, so that's I mean, that's kind of the harder part is is one just if well I'll say this if that one person or two people that you need to convince isn't on board you're kind of screwed because mm-hmm. that's it I got I can't like oh I'll get a couple other people to to go in on this you know your your odds of success are really this you know it's a big hit or big miss yeah I think about that you you you've got one swing at the plate whereas okay this pocket didn't work out for me I'll just try this other so they're set of PMs or something like that. Yeah. Cool. The way my company is segregated, because my brother's the field guy, he's he's been an electrician. What we oftentimes will do is, if one of us doesn't like it, we kind of take it as well. Maybe that's not a good a good thing to do. If both of us like it, then it's a much better sell because if it passes both of us, because we don't really overlap very much, then it's then it's a pretty good shot. I have a, a general question that, that kind of goes back to what you're saying about staffing and everything. You know, um, we have we have in mechanicals, we have a yellow label agreement um, where we can fab and ship that fab to another job site. And we put a little yellow label on it. It says fabs by union. And, and it was my understanding leaving NECA um, in Nashville that that doesn't exist for you guys. Do you do you think that's a hindrance um, or, or am I did I misunderstand what they were saying in regards to that? I only know what you're talking about. Can you, what do you, what do you mean by you put a, when you, when you're a union shop um, in order to fabricate for a job, that's not in your territory, basically um, you, you use the yellow label agreement, which is a label that goes on the fabricated item allows you to ship it. Like when I ship skids down to Georgia or something, they're under that yellow label agreement from my understanding, because um, prefab's not a big deal in, in electrical quite yet. That doesn't exist. And it, it was more a, a worry for places like like you, Jared, where, you, where you're prefabbing a lot and you have all the machines. You know, we, we had a Watts pipe cutter because we could ship our fab anywhere in the United States, regardless of, of you know, the area under that agreement. Um, were you aware of that, Jared, or is it just something that I, I heard did about? Not, I did not know about that, but that's uh, that is an absolute problem that we have. Right. We've got. San Antonio, we've got Austin, we've got an office in Houston. Uh, Austin has its own prefab shop, their own bib department, all that. Houston does not. So we had a project over there and we were trying to, uh, they worked out an agreement, but it was, there was definitely not one in place at the time to get our prefab to Houston. You know, um, I, I've never heard of that concept, that yellow tag, but it's a great idea because you know, it's just basically telling them it may be not your union, but someone's union built that, you know, it was a union shop that did it. It was a union. And, you know, that's a, it's a big issue because all it does is basically it, it hinders the project because, but you know, that's a prime example with Houston, they don't have prefab. So why should the job suffer if we've got the prefab capabilities, even if it's same company, you know, a couple hours away, you know, but. It's a natural hurdle. I mean, mechanical didn't have it at one point either, Jonathan. And it's a, and, and I think that's kind of showing where electrical is in the process, right? I'll okay. point out too that it's not perfect in the mechanical room either. Like there, there are still 
you know, <clears throat> certain municipalities where it's harder to ship into because you didn't build it in their, in their jurisdiction. And even with the yellow label, so it's still not perfect, but it, it has come a long way. Yeah, the NFL collective bargaining agreement is not working either. And, and let's be honest, like, there's a lot more behind that. So it's not a, it's not a, it, it's a matter of the, a few of the things have to transform along the way, you know, to, to, to make it possible. So it'll be interesting to see as electricals kind of open up that bargaining agreement and get, get an understanding of how they can do that. Cause I, I, honestly, I, I don't think, and Sean, this is going to be an interesting thing for you as your company grows as to whether or not you get involved completely in prefab as a core competency or if you're a consumer of prefab especially if you're a builder of bim and in bim and electrical you can still be an installer without being a fabricator if you can consume fabrication from other places right yes. like this is the this is the interesting thing that changes the mindset so i mean how I don't, I don't even know where to take that guy. For once, I didn't have a question. I just had to like. No, hey, I, I think that you I, you are. hit the nail on the head too, and it's something that we've talked about, you know, through the MCA, and and hopefully we'll have these more of these conversations as our as our committees get together. But you know, there there is still you know whether you think it's a dystopian future or a what's the opposite of dystopian utopian future where you have contractors that become installers or fabricators you know, that that is a real possibility like and like sean you said you know you, you hope for distributors that that would prefabricate and there there are some of us contractors that are like yeah, i i don't know about that because then you become kind of a competitor with your distributor and that that's a really weird relationship again no question out of that that's just yeah but just i, I want to go go ahead sean no, it's and that's interesting because there's there isn't there's a lot of a lot of consequences I should say of these things, and I hadn't thought about that. But you're absolutely right. That would weirdly make me competing with my distributors, which is not a just gut reaction. It's like ah, oh, like that. <laughs> but but it's a unique, Travis. You bring it up. So first of all, I think it should be telling, and we should call this out that you couldn't remember utopian. Yes. Over yeah. dystopian. Right. That truly means you're. And I and I'll I'll throw myself under the bus. I've only had one cocktail. <laughs> yeah, like, well, you're in construction, right? Like, we just we don't ever see I, the. I lose words sometimes. <laughs> but We're not really in the utopian side of society right now. <laughs> no, it's, this it's is more this dystopian. Is not dystopian. It's all dystopia. Yeah. No. This is, this is all dystopia. We talk about arms races in a lot of different places, and I think this is an arm race. And and I and and I think I know where my bets are at this moment. But it's an arms race that I think the 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 unionized labor has an opportunity to be better at and like take the lead from a perspective that as much as non-unionized is non-connected, right? So this is a connected group. It's connected groups. They there's a there's power in numbers and power and ability that way. Seems to me that there's an opportunity there then to connect things that others, because they don't have those those means and methods and access, so that everybody gets a, a part and a piece that could move it, move the entire thing forward. I mean, think about this for a second, Jared. Why would big state electric care about teaching Sean and his small company anything about the process of what you guys are up to. 
Well, for, for me personally, and this is why I, you know, and, and working with Sean and, you know, trying to get this open dialogue and the NEC or the, um, the NECA, you know, innovation, mm-hmm. if I can elevate a smaller company and we can teach them and work together, it elevates the entire industry. And yep. as an industry, if we get better, then it is just better for everybody. So yep. the way to kill hard bid is, yeah, whole rising tide. The way to kill hard bid is to have nobody else be doing it. The way to kill certain things, like to kill stick build in the old way and non BIM, is to have everybody doing it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's, you know, one of the things like, you know, that I started posting on my, the LinkedIn, you know, people were surprised that I was so open with, with some of our, you know, not really trade secrets, but some of our processes, you know, some of the hurdles. And that's what I've been telling everybody is, look, we work together as a team, as opposed to working against each other. It's just going to be better for everybody when we come to the GC's table and say, look, this is what we want to do. We've said all the time that the secret sauce isn't your recipe. The secret sauce is the chef. You can give out your recipe all you want. Right? Yeah. Nobody's going to recreate it the same way. Yeah. That's just, it, it's the Sal D'Ambrosia, right? Like, yeah. I mean, it over and over again, it, he's like, I want to transform, but somebody keeps coming in and uh, uh, saying, I'll do it the old way and cutting my legs out. Yeah. We need everybody. Sean, you had something there. Sorry, I cut you off. No, I mean, uh, Another nice thing is because I'm I'm not even in the same state as Texas. I mean, granted, there's like a whole flood of people coming from <laughs> California to Texas every year, but Dude. I'm not. My, my family's all here. But um, uh, I, I, even more so with the mechanical and the plumbing and the you know and electrical is getting together. We're not really competing with each other, so it's it's so much easier to share things when it's not like you're the guy, you know. 10 minutes away from me who could be literally competing with the same customer. You know, I'm, I mean, the other nice thing of being in California, like no one wants to come in here to do business. Like it's don't people who my dad's friends or other NECA contractors, they'll usually, we get a fair amount of business of people out of state because they know, like, I don't, I don't want to deal with Los Angeles and California, all the rules and regulations. Like you'll, you'll lose your shirt because you just don't know all the little details. So, so, I don't really worry too much about people moving in here to compete with us uh, just from where I'm at. But that's the good thing about the whole, uh, the whole different trades getting together. Yeah. And I, and I, I was going to say earlier too, about the MCA, that the one thing you've really done well is the sharing. And, and yes. we've got, uh, I'm sure Sean McGuire can pull it up again. But we've got pictures of four companies all in the same region standing around, on a, on a table trying to solve the same problem because to, to Jerry's point, like if, if we can solve it for ourselves, why don't we solve it for everybody? And we just raise that bar that much higher and, and the, the work in our area gets that better. And even I, I understand we don't want to, I mean, <clears throat> you know, Dave Pikey from Hill Mechanical is, is actually what I would consider a, a good industry friend of mine. And he's, he's two hours from me. We compete quite a bit, but. We'll, we'll bump into each other in an airport and sit down and talk because we understand that the problems this industry have are bigger than us butting heads over, over sharing the little secrets. So, yeah, I'll get yeah we. Yeah, no, no, you shouldn't. I mean, we can fight over crumbs if you want. 
But as an industry, if we bind together, we can actually all get a fair share. There's nobody that can, there's no one ring to rule them all. I mean, it was nice to see Katera ring a bell for us all because that that's the way I feel. They rung a bell that, that, that the industry and the consumers of what we build want it done a different way. They just, they didn't have the answer, but that's okay. They rung the bell. So we have the opportunity to provide that service and that experience differently than, than before. But I, and kind of back in the, the competition piece, while I'm still on my soapbox a little bit, Sean and, and Jared, what, what would you do if you actually won all the work that you've been on? <laughs> I mean, Buy a new house? <laughs> well, or, or crumble along the massive work. way. Yeah, that's, <laughs> true. Yeah, that's true. I don't so, spend so, time at home as it is, man. It's like <laughs> anyone who just who gets into the BDC world needs to realize that you're a your office and your desk and your computer is really your home, and your mm-hmm. home is just kind of like a place you sleep. Yep. Yeah. Well, and, but my greater point to that is like. I would rather be competing against people on the same level playing field than losing jobs to to you know people that 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 just don't do a good job. So if I can help my competitors in a way that that makes everything better, again, it kind of levels that playing field up. Yeah, and you know, uh, Marsh, that takes uh, you know kind of a with us working together on the multi-trade, you know, kind of a, a, an aspect of that too, you know, now we're working with mechanical and plumbers and electrical on a multi-trade rack. And, you know, how does, again, that elevates the entire process. You know, it's just one of those things that is, you know, as an industry, we want to work with mechanical. We want to work with plumbing. We want to work with other electrical companies our electrical contractors and you know we're all we're all football players right we're all on the same field we may be on different teams or whatever but we're still all on the same field and you know we work together then we win together absolutely by the way we so for the audience me and jared built a electrical rack for one of the shows and we were going to build a multi-trade rack and have everybody over to jared's shop to build it as a multi-trade but timing didn't allow us to do that and so as we're getting ready to build the other half, the electric or the mechanical side of this electrical rack, we're like, well, that's a companion rack. And then instantly, like I had three people talking, well, wait, we should make we should make fittings that allow us to do companion racks every time. That way we can always work prefab in our own shops and then just bring it out to the field and like literally Lego it together. So, I mean, there's a lot of like, once you start down that road, there's a lot of happy accidents. Um, but I was wondering if I could dial it back to tech because at the very beginning you were talking about Revit and um, Jared, you came a long way in Revit and I've looked through a lot of electrical models and I know for the mechanical side, and this is more than a decade ago, this is a long time ago, we had fabrication come onto the market and a lot of mechanicals, once that product hit the market, it was like a huge enabler. Like now we had real parts with real dimensions, with labor, with all this other stuff. Have you found anything technologically that has been something you'd recommend to everybody out there? Like, and, and it doesn't have to be a product, but hey, we, we don't mind if you say a product, but, but like, I, I look into the electrical models. I look at your content sometimes. I'm like, oh, oh, okay. You just use like a piece of pipe or something. Like, like what in the world did you just do? Or Sean, you said you used a giant rectangle. Have you found anything that's like, you're like, man, this is kick butt. You know, for us, we went and we looked through a bunch of different add-ins and subscription software, stuff like that. 
tested a bunch of them and we ended up and this is you know for us dynamo it's free you know it came with revit there was a learning curve um we realized that we could not learn as much as we needed to so we hired our contracted out all of our programming to a third party and the money that we're not throwing away in subscription and the custom stuff that he writes that's geared towards our process you know that right there was that was the glue that's what made everything possible because we couldn't get the amount of information into our models with the amount of detailers that we had, you know, we're too busy trying to keep up with, with the BIM, you know, how do you get all this data entry stuff or create your sheets or create the views? You know, we do a, uh, literally we do a junction box detail for every junction box in the job, in the job. And that way they can send out the right connectors. They know it's got a unique number. There's no way we could have done that. You know, 800 on a level. We couldn't have someone come in, create the sheets, create the views, make the dimensions. We started writing dynamo graphs. And, you know, what would take us 30 to 45 seconds, uh, a box. Now we run 800 in about six or seven minutes, you know. So that to us was a game changer. And then, you know, that gave us the ability to add more content with the same amount of time, same amount of people. And then that gave us the ability to now prefab what we had in our model. And it's funny because we actually have a problem that we have so much data in our models. We're like, Dang, we got all this stuff. How else can we use it? You know, what else can we do yeah. with this data? And that's where we are right now. We're trying to find more things that we can do with this data that help the field out. One of them is that cost, doing our own cost analysis, you know, routing conduit from, you know, the option A and option B and it given, you know, spinning out a price difference for the two. But again, doing it all internal towards our process. Dude, I think that's amazing that you went straight to programming. I, we have a lot of people in the industry right now that are actually looking at all the products out there and going, it doesn't really fit my business. And Dynamo does make it super easy. Like before, when you were in AutoCAD, there was COD was one of the scripting languages that was really used. Like I have thousands of those little buggers sitting around because I was like you, Sean, I had a teeny shop with, with less people and it meant you programmed more and drew less, but Dynamo is crazy and what it can automate. Do you, do you leverage it a lot, um, Travis? Uh, we do some, um, we, we've had recent issues with, um, as the, the market that we're in pushes versions of Revit further, we find certain packages are no longer supported. Um, so, so now we're kind of kicking the tires and going back to something more of a, a can solution. It's kind of, I would liken it a little bit to like moving your ERP to a cloud, so cloud environment. Like, Let's make this somebody else's problem. Like, like if we upgrade from Revit 2021 to 2022, somebody else's problem if it all breaks. But um, it's a good segue because, you know, I'm going to steal Jonathan's question and, and push it back to Sean. Like, from your aspect, you, you mentioned starting really early on with, with Revit and, and all the extra stuff and, and knowing or not knowing what you really needed. What sort of... Uh, sort of tool set have you developed um i'm you know i'm assuming you don't you don't have the same resources that maybe jared does to, to start throwing at it yeah not at all so uh in 2008 i was actually just using autocad the 3d 3d part of autocad 
you know, I think Jeff, I think earlier you, you talked about how it seems like electrical is behind the other guys. And that's absolutely true. Um, and you could see it for me, an indicator of this was in Revit, like Revit electrical always seemed to be behind everything else. And so at the time I remember looking at Revit and just being like, I don't know if this is really there yet. And every so often I check in with people and get the same kind of like, eh, it's, it's getting there, you know, and I'm not, I can't tell you why. I, like, I wish I knew why that is. Uh, Supply and demand. I mean, I'll stop you for a okay. second. Yeah, Supply yeah. and demand. That's all it yeah. is. I mean, literally, it is a reflection of who's asking and yelling mm. the loudest. That's it. Makes sense. But keep going, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so right now, um, so for a long time, I'm that's it was that at Navisworks. So I would be, I have, you know, two or three monitors. One monitor is Navisworks where I'm looking at the clash because uh, it's mainly just been clash detection for us. Um, and so just looking at where I need to be, you know, there's the trick of like figuring out where your height is by when the, uh, the square, the box thing kind of disappears on the horizon. I don't know. I don't know if there's a name for that. You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah. 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 So that's, you know, you find that for your height and then you roughly translate that to the, you know, the Revit or, or AutoCAD. I mean, I'm just more recently trying to get into, into Revit. Um, and it's just, there's things, I mean, just trying to get like, you know, just getting offsets into pipe. It's surprising how hard it was just to get two pipes at different elevations to sync up. And it just seems like you're like, there's like almost like an artist touch to make this happen without something going wrong. Um, so that's been, I mean, Navisworks and, and AutoCAD or Navisworks and Revit have been kind of the main ones. Uh, the, the job I have now has a really tight ceiling space. And so what I'm, the thing I'm working on now is I, I want my guys in the field to be able to see the model for the other trades because there's just, yeah, I'm trying to think, how do I get this information to the guy? If I you label heights, it's just going to get kind of rough. So it'd be great if they, you know, pull up the, the iPad or the, I actually have a HoloLens that I got from Nika. Nice. That I've been continually trying to find uses for. It seems it's, I think Jerry, we were talking about this. It's, it seems like this thing should be amazing. And it's like, it's, almost amazing but somehow it doesn't quite pan out and i we had like, a conversation i i have a job site that's <laughs> actively gone. using one I, that's a, it's a whole other but yeah. i i can help you out i i can i i i um i'm stuttering myself like this is how i got probably a little bit of notoriety in this industry is, is we figure out that you can use a hollow lens pretty well but not for everything you imagined you could that makes yeah. sense. Like, yep. let's accept it for where it is, and you can get a lot of use out of it. Anyway, that's like yeah. that, no, that it, it's not all. I mean, but but Travis, what you're talking about is getting an ROI on something worthwhile for a segment right. of what and when we, when we when we first bought it, my boss wanted to tremble off of it, wanted to hold yeah. hold ducked up in a place, and it would just and it's like. Okay, that, that's it's not there yet, but this is what we can do. And Everybody like, oh. on a job site's gonna wear it, and nobody's gonna use right. plans, and nobody's gonna look at paper. Shit, not everybody's on <laughs> Bluebeam yet. Right. Come on, man! Yeah. Like we're not there. Yeah. However, Sean, that has it means it has a use case, and, yeah. and and what you're doing. But what's cool is is you've got it. And you've got this in your Swiss Army knife of of Swiss Army knives, and you're not looking at every nail like you're a hammer and trying to think like, hey, 
you keep trying them. So where else are you trying them? I mean, where else? Exactly. That's where I was going to go. I was like, what, what, what is the future state for someone like you? Yeah. Uh, say the question again. What's the future? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, where, were you trying things out? Where, where are you hoping to go? What, what would you like to do? Yeah. So, I mean, the, a year ago, if you would have told me what's the, like, not minority report, you know, future, but like, where do I want construction? It would be, well, eventually there'll be less plans and more model. The, the sooner one was, I want, I would love the foreman to put on this helmet and walk around and make sure that no one missed a conduit that was on page seven, you know, uh, or, you know, there was on the first times I used the HoloLens, the thing that I thought would have, would have been great would be just the ability to like, like graffiti a, a, a note that just floats there in digital space. So the next time you walk by it, like just kind of appears right there. Um, and I don't know if I quite figured that one out or even just marking like this is the beam and then I'm going to go walk around on top of the, the roof and I can like see the beam down below. Mm -hmm. I know this the whole like perspective thing kind of messes with that, but there's almost like simple things that uh, it's like, I feel like they're almost there. They're probably, if I just figured out whatever the trick is, um, could get there. And that's going back to the, you know, the, the Sparky's podcast idea. That's part of the idea of like, what's, what are these tricks that people have figured out? Someone somewhere has figured this out and it's not, you know, it's not on the news. No, we're not, you know, it's not going to find it there. So back to the Halloween we, thing, like a quick story, so a funny story, funny, sad story. We're, we're part of a, a peer group of, of mechanicals and, and we were showing off our, our abilities with the HoloLens and we went out to a major NFL stadium that was being built by one of our peer group companies. And, and they asked us to, to show off an area, right? And we threw on the, the headset and there was some, fucking around with making sure everything was set up right and, and one of the guys just kind of keeps looking over at a wall and he, and he finally calls somebody over and like points to it and puts the, the helmet on somebody else he's like you fucking missed a sleeve <laughs> <laughs> so, i mean that that's the use case and, and those things like yeah. the bean thing and walk around that, that yeah. anyway i i I just keep going back to it because those are one of the easy wins that I've, that I've had in my job, but it's not an obvious thing that, that comes up when, when you talk about the way people want to use a hollow. I will say if you give construction workers the ability to make a graffiti of some kind that other people can't see, but one of their coworkers. <laughs> oh yeah. Be good. There's going to be a website good. devoted to those. Oh, for sure. That's good. I, so I, would, I, I would say this when you go to innovate, if you bring up this subject, you're going to get 50 people that will that are all doing some flavor of that. Because I did the same thing. I had a skid in my 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 fab shop. We put the hollow on it to show somebody like the overlay of the model, and the first words out of their mouth were, "Oh, damn, the actuators are in upside down," <laughs> you know. And it's going to Georgia, so that's a lot of money. So I paid for everything right then. It's like done. I paid for it. But so you know, like everybody, there's also iPads can do that, by the way. Yes. iPads do it really well. And if you get an iPad Pro with the LiDAR, it sort of tracks in better. And while I love the hollow, like for what you were doing, I think you're going to see more people that use the iPad with AR as the workflow for that. But when you're in, when you go to innovate, man, it, or if you guys get your podcast up, you're going to get so much feedback of so many people that had figured it out, but they didn't even know people didn't because we were being sold the fact that it does this. And so a lot of us figure it out and then we're like, well, we thought everybody was doing it, right? Everybody's, everybody can do that. You're not using you know? a hover car? 
That's like what you were saying earlier, uh, Jonathan. It's like, you know, even the guy, the, the salesman's like, damn, you got that to work? Yeah. How'd you do that? <laughs> We, we had this, we had the salesman into a room and I had taken all of the labels and put them up on the hangers in AR. And I, I flashed my phone up because I had it on my phone. I'm like, check it out. You can see all the labels for all the hangers. And he's like, Oh my gosh, that's great. And I'm like, this is your product. And you told me I could do that. <laughs> no, I mean, so, come on. I mean, we were looking at like the XR 10 and the HoloLens and what it could beautiful. do. And, and then Trimble recently was just like, Oh, look, here it is on the phone. And you were like, wait a minute, that's democratization right. of what it can do. And it's all alive 3D. Flashy cells. Remember, from our side of the world, remember, I'm the tech representative here, flashy cells. But like, I, I remember having a, a, a conversation with a client at one point that was a friend that said, oh, there's all these flashy things we wanted to do, but we put somebody in a mechanical room who couldn't understand that they were trying to put 10 pounds of shit in a five pound bag and we put the HoloLens on their head and they changed like that. HoloLens is $3,500. How much is a mistake in what we do cost? Oh yeah. 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 So really it pays for itself. And then Sean, you've got the opportunity to look at how else you can take advantage of it. So yeah, we have to sell a little bit down the future road to get people to, to go down that road. But but reality is like it can pay for itself in one thing that works now. When VR first came out, um, everybody was saying that there was no real use for VR. Meanwhile, we had a play space and we'd bring our foreman into the same room that they've looked at on a plan 50 times and they'd breach up and go, nope, valve's too, valve's too high. And, and this is too low and, and that's not going to work. And even just seeing things in scale, like changed the game for them because that's how they live. Yeah. And, and, you know, finding that value is always fun. So the funny thing fun. was I did the same thing with VR, Jonathan. I won a VR headset from an AGC, just like you did, Sean, like you won that. And I won it from an AGC IT event when I, before I was on the committee and I was literally screwing around talking to Iris and other companies and, and I got a model from a job we did and Iris allowed me a free license and I loaded it up. And this guy, I'll never forget JC Slocum, a good friend of mine from Gallegos law. I, I just like fired this whole thing up in an office trying to walk people through like, Oh, BIM's the future. And I thought, yeah, it's going to fall flat. Right. He starts flying through. He goes that opening. That opening right there. If we had known that opening was that small, we'd have known we couldn't have get our stuff in and it wouldn't have cost us that. And yeah. I go, and all of us have that like one little example of how the technology paid for itself tenfold without it, it being there. That, that is a, a common thing I've been saying over the last couple of years is they always ask us, in, in, you know, Jared and Sean, I'm sure you, this applies to you too. It's like, what's the ROI? What's the ROI? We, we never, I guess I shouldn't say never, never say never, but we almost never go back and recost mistakes we didn't make. That's your ROI. Yeah. Well, Travis, your ROI that's a comment. Finding that first real big screw up, you know, that, that saved the company, you know, the money, you know, looking up at a, at a, at a, at a barge waste job. 
and realizing that all those joists are off about six inches from where they have in the model. And we coordinated all our Trimble hangers and prefab assemblies off of those bar joists. You know, that right there, you know, being able to fix it in the model, as opposed yeah. to having to tear them all apart in the field, that paid for it. Yeah. Well, you know? and, and at your size, Jared, I mean, it, it's going to hurt you. You're going to absorb it probably. Sean, at yours, what's that going to do to your bottom line? Yeah. I mean, and, and so we're getting close to the end. Although I, I don't want this one to stop. I love the I'm Sparky night, guys. Like I, I'm I'm down on the Sparky I, train. I've been on the mechanical train for a while. I think I'm jumping ship in the Sparky <laughs> train. Can can you give us a little teaser? Do you have a plan? Yeah, what's your plan? Well, um, ultimately, you know, we're gonna get together, but like we were saying, it's gonna be, you know, a, a technology you know, a, a little bit of BS, you know, it's like I was trying to push the name Sparky Malarkey because, you know, some of it we are going to be talking, you know, electrical BIM, but, you know, some of it's going to be just BS too, you know, and just, you know, some of the fun things that we have in our industry, some of the challenges we have, you know, some of the technology and the hurdles, um, you know, I love of, of the, the concept of open forum, you know, maybe once a month, ask questions, you know, and maybe there's, you know, people that have had the same problems that we have that have found a creative solution, you know, but basically just making it, you know, getting people engaged and talking and, and I'll tell you what, and Sean, I don't know about you, but for me, one of my goals this year is trying to get some of the younger generation, the kids out of high school that are thinking about college that maybe don't want to be in the construction field, you know, but want to be in the electrical, get them to realize that, you know what, being an electrician nowadays isn't, you know, wire nuts and a wire stripper, you know, now it's, we're probably using more technology day to day than most of the companies, the AR, the VR, the drones, you know, LIDAR, but getting these kids to understand, Hey, get into the electrical field. It's digital, you know, and hopefully maybe we reach some younger kids with some of this too, you know? Yeah. The, the concept that construction's not like boring and has been done to death. I mean, it has, but we're actually in, a, in a, a weird time where things are changing kind of rapidly for electrical. We had this with, you know, with LEDs and all the lighting controls. That was kind of one of the things I got into because I was, I was doing estimating and I was just, I was so depressed because it was like, I mean, estimating is rough. You do 10 years <laughs> straight of estimating just day in and day out. And it was before I was even still on the plans with the highlighter and the little click, 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 you know, a little rotating guy. And, and it's just, especially, you know, during the 2008, uh, you know, the, the, the crash, I mean, that was like, you know, my poor dad, my dad was like looking at me like, ah, how, how are you doing? You need you want to, want to, want to have a little uh, fun time or something? And so anyway, nothing, so I was like, I was just, with anything too tall. Right. <laughs> keep, keep showing away from the edge. That's right. That was right. So just, you know, something to just to grab my mind onto. And over the last, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 years, it just seems like electricals are really starting to change rapidly. Uh, and it's not, you know, like, like Jared's saying, it's not, uh, I don't think it's something that kids think, oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go be like going to the electrical word. It's certainly not like a computer guy, someone who's into VR or, or you know, 3D modeling isn't thinking, oh, you know, the construction industry, I think that's where I want to go. <laughs> but they'll probably have a better time being than like what, you know, video game design or something. So. Uh, you have a better chance of making a good study paycheck too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and they can do video game design here in a way that actually impacts reality, right? That's the one thing that yeah. we don't sell 
consistently as a group. It's why I love the MEP innovation that we're all a part of coming down the road here and everybody coming together is this, this idea of showing like we're bigger than the sum of our parts and actually creating the funnel in which kids can understand. And more importantly, parents, right? Like right now selling to kids is one thing, but parents actually influence where their kids go to school, what they do. And I'm a fan. Like, I would have never thought 10 years ago that I would tell my kids that construction is a career path that is technologically advanced and will, and will grow them beyond the skill sets that I ever thought. And now 10 years in, I'm like, you shouldn't go anywhere else other than to do this. And that's what these, this, the MEP group coming together also this, this group and what we all do of like, Hey, this is a path to make money while learning a skill that's also hot. I mean, come on. Unreal Engine and what, what are, what are our Unity. Unity, Unity yeah. and Unreal. These are our big players. Right. Yeah, like, my, my, my programming group is literally from Whitethorn Digital. So they make contracting apps and games for the Switch. And I'm, I'm like, that's it. That's their, their company makes a bunch of games for switch and Xbox and, and then they make apps for me, you know, it's like, so there's that big crossover, but you got, you guys said something, you know, we're talking about the ROI on the HoloLens, dude, we have a labor shortage. If the HoloLens is bringing people into your company as new employees, I, I I'm, I'm writing it down as one of the ROIs for HoloLens and virtual yeah. reality is it turns people on it gets people in and hopefully they take that technology and fly with it. You know, take it to a job fair sometime. Oh yeah. You'll have a line. <laughs> and so I'm going to, I'm going to help us wrap it up here because I'm excited. I mean, I think what's really cool about this for, for Sean and Jerry to have you guys on is to show that there's innovation going on at all levels of electrical right now. And that you guys are embracing the paths that others might have brought before you, but you're embracing it, which is going to help accelerate your change. So in that respect, Sean, I want to give you a chance to just let people know how to connect with what you're up to, where you're headed, and just any last thoughts for the group. Yeah, um, I don't I don't have a – my kids laugh at me because I'm like – I refuse to do like Twitter and, 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 and uh, yeah. some of the other ones. I can't even think of the names of them, the TikTok and all those things. Forget I don't all know those. what it is. Yeah, forget all those. I'm like, you know, LinkedIn I, is your jam, yeah. dude. Yeah, LinkedIn just LinkedIn. Your jam. LinkedIn. Just LinkedIn. Just emails, you know, even that. Um, What's your email? Uh, Sean, S-E-A-N at escoelectric.com. Um, please don't sign me up for various uh, <laughs> spam and other things. But um but yeah, so I mean that's just the best way to reach out. I mean that's the nice thing about being a, a kind of a smaller company is that it's not like uh, my phone's not ringing off the hook with with various things. That are, I mean I get a tons of spam email from the estimating days. So that's the thing. Like the problem with estimating is that you're you're on every like bid list. <laughs> so and because I was on it early, I didn't think to have like bids at escoelectric.com. <laughs> so. You know, it's, it's at some point I have to change my name just to kind of to weed out all the, you know, the bad stuff. Hey, you um, guys have to tune in. What's what's the podcast going to be called? We're actually, it's between Sparky Soapbox, Sparky Malarkey. I think Spark, Sparky Soapbox is going to be it. Um, hey, y'all, 
y'all vote. But either way, I, I want you to connect with them because that's just right there, Sean, about, hey, I should have, when I started, have estimating at or stop Trade selling. show. Trade, trade show. show. Every time a trade show, I get like 3,000 spam. Stop <laughs> selling me crap at. Yeah. Like, listen, I'm on that side. Like, learning, learning, I get yeah. it. I get it. So, so uh, where else can they connect with you on LinkedIn? And then, um, you know, for all of us here, for everybody listening, like what, what's the one thing you want people to know after listening to this episode? Uh, it's, it's not the far future. A lot of this stuff, it, it's even for smaller guys, it's here. There's, there's stuff to learn and it's, it's, it's fun. Like it's not, it, it's a, say a hassle i mean there's a lot to a lot of hurdles to get over but it, it beats doing the same old thing again and again particularly when that same old thing again and again is just going to lead to a little bit less business every year uh and, and soon you're you're gonna be out of business um I, so third generation owner like every so often we have to reinvent ourselves otherwise we're a first generation owner <laughs> because that's just how it goes so yeah it, it's 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 fun stuff it's interesting stuff and it's not like, it's not a million dollars in in the future. Uh, it's stuff that's that's here that you can actually start doing. Uh, I, I think that's critical, Sean. You you capture a couple of things that I think get lost in the industry is that like, if you're not adopting technology and moving forward, you're slowly moving into and losing capital that you've created along the way. And so I'm sure your father passed on to you a plentiful environment. And if you don't continue to keep up and change, you're going to provide less to the person who takes it over from you and your kids. And that's not what we want in this business. I mean, the longevity and the things that we've done in this business are what make us who we are. So it's critical that 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 transformation and that adoption happens. So, and that's what it does at your level. And, and Jared, for you, where you are, talk about why this is important for you and what, and what you see going forward. Um, well, for me, it's just a matter of getting everyone to see, you know, if I can use my failures or our failures at our, at big state and save someone else, their failure, you know, if we can help them, if we can teach them based on our failures, then it's saving them money. It's saving them issues. You know, they're going to have their own failures to, to go up against hell. If I can help them out, I'm more, more power to them, you know, and I'll, I'll be happy to do it. Um, and, and ultimately just, uh, you know, get everyone to realize that we, we all have the same problems, right? You know, it's regardless of size, we've all got the same problem, regardless of trade, right? Mechanical plumbers, we all got the same problem. Shrinking schedules, tighter space above ceiling, trying to save fittings. <laughs> you know, you break it down. Those are the main hurdles that we've got. And it's across all trades. Let's all get together and start talking about it. it it's a fabulous move there, Jared, for both you and Sean to, to, to take this from the Sparky's perspective and then join the conversation that's going on and help move the industry forward because that's the key point that we're at, right? I, I believe over the next three years, we're at the moment that we can have a watershed where we can change what we're doing and change that change actually can spark more profit, more money, more growth, more things inside of what we do. Nice so I'm, I'm, I'm exactly with you. So any Travis, any last thoughts? I, I, I completely agree with you. I, I think that this is, this is that, 
that time and, and you know not to to heat too much but like I am I'm humbled that that you guys wanted to come on with us and kind of announce that your your initiative along with uh, to to our our group and, and hopefully that grows for you and, and I'm really looking forward to the MEP innovation conference where where we we've had we had a lot of fun last year virtually we had a lot of fun in Tampa um, and, and I'm really looking forward here in, in Tampa again in with the full conference and really learning again as a whole industry like you said like we we all have the same problem like, let's work together to, to stop having those problems like, let's have some some real fun solving real problems yeah I think that's key and and Jonathan I know you've got a few thoughts there I want you want to wrap up with I'll tell you what, man, I'm, I'm like a million percent behind you with a second. Jared even mentioned that he was kind of possibly thinking about this. I was like, you should do this. This is a great idea. We, this needs to happen because I, I think that there's, you know, um, I went to Nika for the first time this year was my first time really visiting with that. And um, y'all kit better than us by a lot. Like, like, so when I was there, I, and I even had them bring me around, look at all your tooling and everything else. I learned so much, like, like between working with you as a group and being at that event that, that when you guys said, Hey, we're going to have a podcast. I'm like, yeah. So now I have to find a car ride in which I'm going to listen to that podcast. Um, and it, it's going to be a, another one of those podcasts you have to listen to because, you know, right now, the next step in our industry is to get that multi-trade going for prefab and for in, in BIM, we're already doing multi-trade, but to get that dialed in so that we can do that. And, and I think that that's, it's, it's something that's a danger if we don't do it um, a significant danger, if we don't do it. And it's something that, you know, I, I think you guys have a lot of passion for, and it comes through when you talk about it. So I'm, I'm just, I, I wish you the best of luck. I will help you in any way possible. Um, I'd be happy to do a little emblem for you guys <laughs> when you're ready for the, spo the soapbox. Um, I'll but, warn you, be prepared. You're going to have literally tens of things. Ten, yes. <laughs> ten. <laughs> PJ Phipps is going to bother you everywhere you go. <laughs> so Jonathan, I'll tell you what though, the, uh, that whole like multi-trade rack, you know how, why that's going to come out? Because the more we BIM, the less ceiling space we're going to get. Like the architects are going to be raising the ceiling up because ah, they'll you know they'll BIM it out. So we're going to have to start multi-trade racking because we're not going to have any space outside of that. And you're going to have to prefab because there's no schedule left, and you're going to have to get the BIM model right because there's no messing up the estimate. Yeah, I mean we're we're sharpening the knives to our own detriment at times, but <laughs> makes the industry better, you know. Makes yep. us all better, and that's and that's what we're here and that's why the doorcast exists right is because when well whatever title it is that you two come up with you have to tell us because we're here to promote what you guys do because the beauty of what we all do is we all it's a rising tide it lifts all ships these conversations can't happen in in silos and actually uh, it sometimes they need to happen in silos sparkies need to talk to sparkies because well y'all understand each other and Sometimes I don't understand what it is you're talking about. Mechanicals need to talk to mechanicals. Plumbers need to talk to me. Everybody does that, right? But then we all got to come together and have these conversations together. And that's how the industry is going to change, right? We're going to come together. 
And if we do that the way we should over the next few years, we all actually get to win. And that's what, to me here, it's what the point of the dorks is, right? The point of the dorks was never to have anyone or pick anyone given winner, right? It was to have the winner be the industry, the, the winner to be all of us who are doing what we do. And so on that, I am going to finish out and close out and thank Sean and Jared for joining us for episode 38, Sparky's Unite, Herding Cats. Well, because you know how we all feel. It's Herding Cats. Thanks Thank to you. both of you. Thanks to Jonathan and Travis for being back on together. I appreciate all of you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We always are. I do believe, though, like everybody thinks their business is a shit show. And and like across the board, you t you actually sit down with them and they're like, oh, no, it's horrible. You know, and I, so many people are so much better than us. And then you're like, no, they're not. I've they're seen not. them. It, they're, they're, they're hurting in different ways. And, um, you know, unfortunately, there's a lot of events where people aren't willing to be honest with each other about yes. like where their business is at. Part of the reason that I liked the MCA is because you, you know, sooner or later, I, I think all of everybody, that's why the bar afterwards is great. Cause if they were pounding their chest earlier, by the time they hit the bar and have a few drinks, they're, they're admitting the fact that perhaps BIM has some, some issues in their business. <laughs> that's yeah. small that was issues, always, you know? always the thing I enjoyed about consulting when I was doing development work before is just, you walk into a fortune 50 company and you realize that they also run their a large part of their organization off of spreadsheets and it's sad and disappointing we did have a uh we have a like a integrated accounting system um that is construction management that's why i'm actually the cfo because i'm the computer guy and to manage it i had to learn accounting because it's just kind of a it's kind of a pain to do but it was the same thing. You think, ah, someone else, this, this thing must, you know, I mean, I wish this thing could do this better. This is not, you know, we, maybe we chose the wrong one. And then one of my dad's uh, other Nika buddies from like some other state called me up and said, hey, I've been asking people what they like. We're trying to choose one. Would you recommend yours? And I said, well, yes, with some caveats. And he said, yeah, that's, ah, that's what everyone says. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so literally not a single person was enthusiastically recommends the, the software they're using so which is kind of nice i was like oh yeah. i feel better about mine then well the, <laughs> par yeah. for the course right. yeah the worst part is when you do recommend a piece of software but you do it without realizing the software stack you need to run it right so it's like you recommended this software that they can't use like and you watch them just use it horribly and you're like oh crap i just didn't read yeah we just we're gonna you're gonna go back to excel we'll just let you go back to excel right. <laughs> We're going to start back, box it back up. Please. The big one, Sean, is don't be on the phone when you're on a podcast. Try to avoid being on the phone at the same time you're on a podcast, unless you're Jeff Sample, the human that API. That was Domino's, man. <laughs> Domino's. <laughs> the whole idea is I want to go for a bike ride afterwards, so I can't have too much. Indoor bike ride. Oh, then you just fall off. It's not like you drive into a canyon or something. True, true, true. They find me at least. You know, usually, <laughs> be my kids. Ah, my hip.